Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Blister Podcast. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing and all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. Now, I assume that a lot of us have heard of the EPA, which is the Environmental Protection Agency, but raise your hand if you know as much about NEPA or the National Environmental Policy Act. It turns out that the National Environmental Policy Act is critical, and it is something that I think is easy to make the case that every single person in the United States ought to understand not only what it does, but really the details of how it works and why it matters so much. And a big part of the reason why we're going to be talking about NEPA today is that, turns out, some massive changes are currently being proposed that could have extremely serious environmental and human rights consequences. And so for those reasons, it is truly imperative for us to understand what is going on here, and that is our order of the day. And before we jump in, I want to just underscore one thing. I think it is very possible and even understandable how those of us who are passionate about the outdoors and wild places and public lands and climate change, that it's sometimes easy for us to view these issues strictly through the lens of the environment. But when we do that, we really are missing a critical part of the bigger picture and so, again, this is why it is so important for us to understand why the National Environmental Policy Act was created and what it is supposed to do and how this isn't just about issues of climate change or pollution, but why it is so critical for helping and protecting marginalized communities as well. So to help us better understand the history and the future of NEPA, and the high stakes of the changes being proposed by our current administration, we spoke to Hillary Eisen, who is the policy director for the Winter Wildlands Alliance. And there are two places where you can go to get more information and to sign up to contact your representatives to ensure that they know that we care about the National Environmental Policy Act and don't want to see it gutted. So you can either send a text to 52886 that says Protect NEPA, N-E-P-A. Again, that's text Protect NEPA to 52886. Or you can go to winterwildlands.org forward slash NEPA, N-E-P-A. And we'll repeat those options again at the end of this episode. And so now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Hillary Eisen. Well, Hillary, tell us a little bit about the Winter Wildlands Alliance. Yeah, uh, Winter Wildlands Alliance is a national nonprofit based in Boise, Idaho. Um, it was founded in 2000 to represent backcountry skiers and human-powered recreation on public lands. And we're an alliance of grassroots organizers, environmental advocates, backcountry skiers, snowboarders, and just sort of anybody who loves getting outside in, win in the wintertime under their own power. Um, who are devoted to protecting and preserving um, quiet places in the mountains. So, you know, a, a conservation group for skiers is sort of the, the short way of saying who we are. 
And you've been working on policy issues for Winter Wildlands Alliance for five or six years now? Yeah, a little over six years. Okay. Well, today, our primary topic is to talk about the National Environmental Policy Act. And so why don't we just have you kick us off uh, with telling us about, you know, what is NEPA, how long has it been around, and what does it do? Totally. Um, NEPA, or the National Environmental Policy Act, um, is a law that was passed with overwhelming bipartisan support in 1970, actually January 1st, 1970. It was sort of our first, and it continues to be our most important, I would say, and cornerstone environmental law. Uh, back in the 70s, rivers were on fire, you know, bald eagles were dying from lead poisoning and DDT, and, you know, the environment was in pretty tough shape, and there was a bipartisan desire across the country for environmental law um, to, you know, hold polluters accountable, keep development in check, protect clean air, or to have clean air, clean water, uh, protect undeveloped public lands, have, make sure that communities were safe. And so Congress started um, creating a number of different environmental laws, and the National Environmental Policy Act was the first. Um, and what it requires is for the government to be transparent in their decision making, to involve the public in that decision making, and to base decisions on sound science. So before NEPA, um, the government made decisions kind of just without any accountability at all. You know, so say a coal company wanted to mine on public land, the government would just permit it or not permit it. There wasn't like nobody really knew what the reasons were or, um, you know, some sort of factory wanted to open in a community and, and dump their effluent into a river. You know, they were permitted or not permitted and there was no way for the community that was like, going to be affected to get involved in that decision or, you know, even know that it was going to be happening. And the National Environmental Policy Act changed all of that so that now whenever a federal agency is making any sort of decision that is deemed to be, have a significant impact on the human environment, which is kind of a clunky phrase, but that's the trigger, I guess, for NEPA, um, whenever that's happening, they have to go through a, a defined process, a public process. And so, you know, if you're on any sort of mailing list for any sort of environmental issue, or, you know, conservation group or whatever, I'm sure you've gotten an email that says, you know, click here to take action. You know, let the Forest Service know that you support or oppose this thing or, you know, weigh in on, you know, delisting grizzly bears or you know, whatever it could be. That's all NEPA. Um, so whenever an agency is making a decision, they have to uh, first put out, you know, sort of their proposal to the public. Like, this is what we're considering. What do you think about that? And then the public has the right to comment on that. And then the, the agency has to use the information that they've gotten from the public, as well as they have to do their own due diligence and, you know, work with biologists and um, soil scientists and, you know, air quality specialists and you know, all these different, you know, specialists to figure out, you know, what is the best available science related to the decision they're making. Um, they have to do an environmental analysis, an environmental impact statement often, a detailed sort of rationale, and they have to consider different alternatives for how to get from point A to point B. They have to 
you know, then give the public another chance to kind of check their work and let them know, you know, what do we think of this? What are you missing? What are you getting right? Um, and then they'll make the decision. And even after that, there's often an opportunity to weigh in either, you know, with an objection, you know, many, many agencies have some sort of post-decision review process that the public can engage in. And then sort of the final step, not really part of the NEPA process, but an important part of the public process is that after all of that, if you still think the government is not making a good decision or they're breaking some sort of law, you have the right to sue them, um, you know, to, to enter into the court system. So just for the sake of trying to do a little bit of clarifying work or thinking about hierarchies here or different governmental entities and how these kind of overlap or do not overlap. Just for a minute, can you talk a little bit about sort of how this National Environmental Policy Act does or does not relate to the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, sort of either which kind of came first or does one trump the other or do they work, you know, together? Talk a little bit about that dynamic. Yeah, so the Environmental Protection Agency is an agency within the executive branch of the federal government. Um, so it's similar to, you know, the Park Service or the Forest Service or, um I don't know, any, any number of different government agencies. The National Environmental Policy Act is a law that was passed by Congress, but then is implemented by the different agencies. And so the EPA uses and is sort of required to use and is bound by the National Environmental Policy Act in the same way that every other government agency is. So whenever yep. the EPA is making a decision that meets that NEPA trigger, you know, is considered to significantly affect the human environment, then they are required to follow the NEPA process, uh, which is that public process where their decisions are opened up to public scrutiny, they have to be informed by best available science, you know, all of that. Um, they both came about in the 70s. So kind of part of that, you know, the first Earth Day was also in the 70s, you know, in the 70s. Mm -hmm. That's when the American public seemed to um, sort of have this awakening about needing to protect the environment. Um, and I wasn't born yet, but I um, have you know, understood from talking to my parents and, you know, taking different history classes that, you know, and reading various books that, you know, that was a time when, you know, things kind of hit a tipping point with development and we were realizing, you know, our resources are not just this untapped, you know, fix itself sort of planet, but that we actually had a responsibility to care for the environment and to protect places. Um, and so you got the Environmental Protection Agency, you got the National Environmental Policy Act, Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, Endangered Species Act, like all the things came in the 70s. I think one of the things that is a little bit interesting about this, and and I'm curious if you agree with this or not, but I feel like we hear about the EPA all the time. I feel like I hear less about the National Environmental Policy Act, again, than I do the EPA. Do you think that seems right? Like it, if we're talking very broadly about kind of media coverage in general, and I guess I'm curious if if you do agree with that, why? Like, why would we be hearing more about the EPA than, than NEPA? 
I think it probably depends on sort of what circle you're in or, you know, what mm-hmm. issues you're paying attention to. But, you know, the EPA, you know, it might make sort of the mainstream national news more often than NEPA because NEPA is a pretty wonky law that is very tech. Well, the law itself is actually pretty simple, but the way in which it's mm-hmm. implemented is very technical. You know, we often talk about protecting public process, protect public lands, you know, protect this river that you care about, weigh in on this logging project, weigh in on this pipeline. And that's all NEPA. But we're not saying exercise your rights under the National Environmental Policy Act to weigh in on this pipeline. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we, we skip the NEPA part because it's just so part of that process. Whereas, you know, the EPA that's led by a political appointee, um, you know, the politics are always pretty interesting for people. Um, the EPA sets different standards for different pollution levels. Um, so that's, I think it's just a sexier topic in a lot of ways. It's clearly, you know, the, if you Google EPA or you've ever seen like their logo, it's this like stylistic flower that looks like, you know, the earth, the sea and the sky, you know, it's, it kind of conjures up like, yeah, this is how we protect the environment, the, the Environmental Protection Agency. Yep. But a major tool that the EPA uses when it wants to protect the environment <laughs> is the National Environmental Policy Act. And yep. the way that the public protects the environment and kind of puts, makes sure that, you know, because all these different agencies, including the EPA, are run by political appointees. And then they have, you know, majority you know civil servants long-time career people working for them that are generally you know very qualified unbiased scientists but politics at the end of the day sort of drive the final decisions and the national environmental policy act is the public's way of being able to kind of get involved in that um and make a difference because um the scientists can do great science and then a political decision can still be made. And the National Environmental Policy Act also doesn't require that the government make the best decision. It doesn't require that they make the least environmentally harmful decision. It just requires that they make an informed decision and that they're transparent about it. Yeah, and I think I would maybe want to insert instead of the word the public, like communities, like literal communities and local communities, right? I mean, and so I I think I love the way you've just laid this out because I think we, maybe there's other people uh, who are kind of in this same boat, but we think about the EPA, often there's like, we're kind of head scratching or angry, like why in the hell is the EPA doing that? And so the way you've laid it out that, look, you know, if you are, in that situation where it's like, what what's going on there? Like, wh- why is that kind of mandate or that decision coming from the EPA? Well, then you need to know about the National Environmental Policy Act, because that is where, as you've said, the public, local communities, individuals can have a say, which it, it's pretty critical, right? Right. And it's something that, you know, I, I'm not an expert or even very knowledgeable about how environmental decisions are made in other countries. But, you know, I think it's pretty unique, the the rights that we have under the National Environmental Policy Act. And certainly, you know, in if it's not entirely unique across the globe, the National Environmental Policy Act 
influenced any other environmental laws that other countries have. Like we were trailblazers at one time when it comes to environmental law. That was slightly sad. I got slightly <laughs> sad when you just said that. We, we can be trailblazers again in a positive direction, not a backwards direction. Okay, I'm less sad now. I'm, I'm back. Thank you. Um, we're having this big conversation here about NEPA. Why are we talking about NEPA so much right now? What, what is going on with the National Environmental Policy Act? Well, the National Environmental Policy Act has been criticized for a long time, particularly by developers and industry and others who really liked the pre-1970 way of you know, they would say, we want to drill on, you know, this desert land out by Moab, or we want to put in a mine, or we want to dump our effluent into that river or the ocean or whatever. And the government would be like, okay, sounds good. Um, and then they just got to do the thing that they wanted to do. Um, you know, that worked pretty well for the people and the corporations that were doing that, but it wasn't so great for everybody else and, you know, the rest of the planet. Um, so the National Environmental Policy Act came along, uh, Congress passed that. You know, obviously since 1970, we have continued to have industry development, you know, all of those things have continued just fine, but it's been a little slower from proposal to decision and not every proposal is approved. And, you know, the pesky public gets in there and makes a stink sometimes and, you know, things that aren't exactly the way industry wants them to be. Um, and so for a long time, industry has been lobbying the government, um, sometimes, well, Congress and the executive branch, uh, particularly depending on who is in the executive branch, um, with varying degrees of success that, you know, NEPA, they, they'll say that NEPA is burdensome, NEPA is, you know, a roadblock, NEPA, you know, is inhibiting economic progress, all these arguments. So that's been going on for a long time. Um, and for the most part, the people in government have said, well, you know, we hear you, but this is actually important that, you know, we do these things. And so, you know, whatever. Um, and, they're, you know, every agency implements the law a little bit differently. Um, but it's sort of, you know, there's been this pressure to, to change NEPA for a long time. And I should actually back up a second. So when the law was enacted in 1970, not only did it lay out this public process and say that the government needs to, you know, have informed decision making and use, involve the public and all that, but very importantly, it established a, an office within the White House called the Council on Environmental Quality, uh, CEQ. And the Council on Environmental Quality sort of they wrote the regulations or they write the regulations for how agencies implement NEPA. So uh, I think I mentioned already, you know, the law itself is actually pretty short and sweet and kind of vague. <laughs> um, and so it, was, it then tasked CEQ with explaining what exactly it meant. Um, like, how do you go through this public process? What is this detailed statement? Like, what are these things that make this law work? Um, and so CEQ um, went ahead and wrote very detailed regulations for how to implement NEPA uh, back in the 70s when they were created. Um, and then every single agency within the federal government made their own set of regulations based off of those CEQ regulations. So the CEQ regulations are like, here's how to apply this law. 
But then, you know, the Forest Service works on very different issues than the Army Corps of Engineers or uh, the EPA. And so each agency has its own NEPA regulations. And so they all wrote those. And then when a particular agency is making decisions, they follow their regulations, which are tiered to the CEQ regulations. So that's kind of the complicated backstory. And, you know, over the last 50 years, you know, there's been a lot of case law around NEPA. Um, you know, it has gotten complicated in some instances. There are certainly ways in which implementation of the law could be improved. And there's some basic things like, you know, CEQ regulations, when they were written originally, there wasn't really the internet. You know, we didn't get things on PDF. You got like a hard copy of something. Yeah. So like there's some like basic like technological updates that need to be accounted for. And there's certainly some streamlining that could be done. But this administration, when they came into office, um, I'm sure you've heard the term energy dominance. Uh, the Trump administration has an M energy dominance agenda when it comes to public lands. Um, there's been a number of sort of executive orders and statements and whatever saying, you know, our number one priority is to have energy development, to develop the nation's energy resources. Um, so that means basically, you know, fast tracking and maximizing uh, drilling, mining, pipelines, all those sorts of things. Um, and when President Trump first came into office as well, you know, the Keystone XL and the Dakota Access pipelines were big news. Um, yep. You know, you may remember some of the yep. protests. It's actually still ongoing. Um, the Obama administration had denied the Keystone XL pipeline after going through the NEPA process. You know, they went through that National Environmental Policy Act process um, to determine what the environmental effects of the pipeline were going to be. And one of the things that they determined was that the pipeline was going to contribute in a substantial way to climate change, because if you are facilitating the development of the tar sands in Canada and then you know, getting those fossil fuels out of the ground, bringing them to the refineries in Texas and then burning them, that's a significant climate issue. And so on those grounds, the Obama administration denied the permit. Um, and it was actually in the State Department, I think. Um, so... Trump came into office and was like, why is this pipeline not, you know, I want this pipeline. I want this other pipeline. And, you know, the nerds in the different agencies were like, sorry, sir. Um, we've determined that it has this environmental effect. And, you know, the previous administration thought that that was, you know, grounds for not permitting it. It took a couple years, you know, for them to kind of figure out what to do. And, you know, at first, you know, the administration directed the agencies to identify roadblocks to energy dominance. And so every agency had to, like, come up with a list of things that, you know, were, <laughs> I guess you could see as, like, roadblocks to energy dominance. Like, wilderness yeah. is a roadblock right. to energy dominance. Um, and NEPA was definitely on that list. Um, and so then it was like, well, how do we get around NEPA? Um, and they eventually seemed to have settled on, I know let's change the CEQ regulations and make it so, because the current CEQ regulations make NEPA this very meaningful process. But again, the law is not that detailed. And so if you, ch the regulations, you can change the regulations in a way that like pretty much technically still complies with the law. We have a little different opinion, um, but make it more of a paperwork exercise. So it's less meaningful and maybe get rid of that pesky, um, requirement to look at 
you know, indirect or cumulative effects, which kind of translates into climate change, among other things. So back in 2018, the Council on Environmental Quality started to rewrite their NEPA regulations. And, you know, the maybe irony of it is that they had to go through the NEPA process to rewrite their NEPA regulations. <laughs> um, so uh, they put out a proposal or they put out this like notice, like, hey, we're going to rewrite our regulations in 2018. And a lot of groups weighed in and were like, whoa, 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 this seems like a really bad idea. And here's all these reasons that your regulations as you have them now are just fine. And they were like, yeah, we don't care. Um, and so then this past spring, well, I guess winter, like January through March-ish, they put out their draft new regulations. And we all took a look at what they'd come up with. And it was like, yeah, this is exactly what I would expect this administration to come up with. And it's really, really bad. Um, basically, they do everything they could do within the bounds of the law as they interpret the law to take away opportunities for public involvement, to make it not a meaningful process, but just sort of like some boxes that an agency would have to check to make it so that it's as streamlined in quotes of a process from a corporation or a you know, industry proposal to government approval as possible. Um, so making it so that very few decisions will even trigger NEPA, like changing what that significant effect definition is. Uh, so like a whole lot of things that would currently be considered significant and thus requiring a NEPA analysis would not be considered significant under the new regulations. So that's, you know, that's one way to avoid all that pesky input and science and everything else. Um, they also say that agencies cannot consider the cumulative and indirect effects of a project. They can only consider like the direct effects. Um, another really concerning thing about what the government is proposing here is that you know right now when any agency is considering a proposal, they do the analysis themselves. You know they're the ones that write the environmental impact statement. They're the ones that analyze the public comments. You know in some cases they'll hire a third party party contractor, or maybe you know for instance. I work with skiers a lot. We, we look at ski resort expansions a lot. Often with ski resort expansions, actually the resort will be the one to hire the third party contractor because the Forest Service doesn't have the money um, to do a NEPA process for something that's not a huge priority for them. But if the resort really wants to expand, then if they pay, you know, if they hire the contractor, then that process will move along. Um, but it's still you know, a neutral overseen you know, kind of supervised by the Forest Service sort of process. Under the new regulations, industry could do their own analysis without the supervision part. Um, and I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to see yeah. that if you're doing your own environmental analysis and you have a vested interest in a certain outcome, you might just happen to settle on that outcome you know as like your your environmental analysis might just favor the outcome that you are looking for um so you know that's just sort of a i could talk forever it's you know a long a long list of things that are concerning in what is being proposed um but you know we don't have all day long so that's just some of sort of the the greatest hits from these proposed regulations 
And so the, that comment period ended on March 10th. Um, over the course of that comment period that started in January, thousands of people sent letters to the Council on Environmental Quality saying, hey, we really do not support what you are proposing here. Here's some ways that we think that you could you know, potentially improve the NEPA process without totally destroying NEPA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you can, there are things, there are ways to like maybe speed things up a little bit without gutting the entire intent of the law. Um, there, there was a lot of, of comments sent into the Council on Environmental Quality. However, just a, a short two and a half months later, the rule is almost done. They basically ignored all of that public comment because <laughs> um, mm. there's no way that they could have possibly meaningfully absorbed what the public told them, much less incorporated that and made any meaningful changes to what they're proposing. Um, so the, the regulations are now, um, when the government writes a new regulation, first like the agency or the office or whatever writes the regulation and then it actually goes to the Office of Management and Budget, to this office within the Office of Management and Budget called the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs that reviews the proposal or reviews the regulations. Um, and I'm not actually entirely sure what they're checking for, but <laughs> they there's some sort of review process and then it's finalized. And we're actually expecting the CEQ regulations to be finalized in the next couple of weeks. Um, so it's been incredibly fast. Uh, you know, this administration, they are looking at the calendar and they're like, well, obviously they're hoping to be reelected, but if they're not, then they only have until January 20th, 2021 or whatever to get everything they want to do done. Um, So there's, you know, even with, um, and of course all of this is happening while the entire world is dealing with a global pandemic that's killing yeah. hundreds of thousands of people, you know, in this yeah. country alone, like what, 120,000 people have died. Um, you know, we all were like locked down in our houses or most of the country was locked down in their houses for like a month. Like you can't like, like life is not normal right now. And through all of this, the Trump administration is continuing to push this massive change in our environmental laws. And like, We've seen, like with COVID, that the people who are dying, you know, the demographics that are, have the highest mortality rates are the demographics that have underlying conditions that are related to systemic issues tied to environmental health. You know, it's people who live in communities that have a lot of air pollution, unhealthy water, you know, things that NEPA is intended to address. Um, so it's all connected. But the administration is using sort of the distraction of the pandemic to push through a ton of different environmental rollbacks, including this NEPA rollback. And even within, you know, because of course there's like real people that are working on these things and, you know, tasked with finalizing these rules and everything. And and those people are facing, you know, the same issues that everybody else in this country is facing. And they're, you know, from what I've heard, are basically being told, like, I don't care if you have COVID, you will get this regulation done. Um, so it's really just heartless, it, you know, as bad as it is for the environment, just, it's just heartless in so many ways. Um, so, uh, yeah, things are pretty bad. <laughs> Sorry to be a kind of a Debbie Downer. Um, but we, we have not given up hope, you know, as you might remember from Schoolhouse Rock or like elementary school or like high school, you know, government class. This country is set up with checks and balances. And so we have our executive branch, we have our legislative branch, we have our judicial branch. 
all of what I've just been talking about has been happening in the executive branch. Meanwhile, we do have a Congress um, and they're, one of their jobs is to pay attention to the executive branch. And obviously they've been attempting oversight in a number of different ways. Um, and this is an issue that we want Congress to pay attention to. Um, and so far, you know, it's been pretty quiet. The only real thing we've heard from Congress related to NEPA, um, in addition to all this like regulatory kind of like wonky way of undoing the National Environmental Policy Act, um, on June 9th, so actually very recently, when you <laughs> might be like, what else was happening on June 9th? Oh yeah, there was like massive protests roiling the yeah. country and like people were getting gassed in the street and like, we're all standing up for racial justice and like, that's pretty important. Well, while we're all paying attention to that super important topic, President Trump issued an executive order saying that agencies should just straight up exempt projects from NEPA. Like if it's a project that, well, so for a couple of months now, we've been under a national emergency. And as part of that, the president has said, you know, there's an economic emergency, of course, like, you know, millions and millions of people have lost their jobs, unemployment's at an all time, or well, it's gone down a little bit, but it's still like historically high unemployment, like the economy is doing pretty bad. Um, and the president has seen this, well, and the administration, it's not just the president, it's a lot of the people that um, work for him, see this as an opportunity to, again, continue to push that energy dominance agenda. Like, oh, well, we'll say that because of the economic emergency, we mm -hmm. should lease as many public lands as possible to energy companies at fire sale prices, because then they'll, you know, they'll drill and they'll create jobs. It's like, you're leasing lands that don't even have energy potential, but once they're leased, like we lose all sorts of ability to like protect them or manage them for wildlife or recreation or anything, but that's a whole other blog or podcast. But anyways, um, you know, that leasing process still had to go through NEPA and under the president's executive order from June 9th, now like mining, drilling, leasing, logging, those are all supposed to be exempted from NEPA in the name of an economic emergency. And it's really unclear what exactly that means and whether anybody in industry is going to actually act on it. I saw some quote, I think in the Washington Post from some you know mine executive or something who was like, I'm not going to turn a shovel full of dirt based on that executive order because I will get sued. Like, so I don't know, like, but you know, it's just another attack on NEPA. And that's another thing we want Congress to be looking at. And, and when that came out, uh, representative Grijalva, who's the chair of the uh, house natural resources committee, um, he put out a statement that was like, Hey, like we're all talking about racial justice right now. And the national environmental policy act is, critical for environmental justice and environmental justice is part of racial justice and this executive order just like gives the middle finger to all of that like this is unacceptable yeah i'd like to actually read that quote from representative grijalva um he is the u.s house natural resource committee chair and on june 4th 2020 this is his quote um he says Gutting NEPA takes away one of the few tools communities of color have to protect themselves and make their voices heard on federal decisions that are impacting them. NEPA is a public health law as well as an environmental law, 
And as we've seen time and time again, this administration considers public health and environmental laws nothing more than roadblocks to their anti-environmental agenda. And he goes on, this is another attack on black communities and communities of color by President Trump. And I do think it's important to talk about, you know, I think we sometimes do keep some of these issues like environmental issues or being an environmental advocate. That's somehow very separate from there being like these being human health issues. Um, And I think that this is an important that that is quite a quote in like definitely bringing those together, right? So if someone's like, well, I care about climate change, or I, I want to make sure, you know, we still have snow and skiing around in 20 or 30 years or 200 years. It's like, cool, but also understand who is going to be first and foremost impacted by these changes. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't think about one without the other. And I mean, I'm, you know, my job, I'm, I'm mostly, you know, paying attention to public lands protection and all that. And like, I mean, I love wilderness. We could turn the whole, you know, every forest in the country to wilderness. But if the people who live, you know, if the most of the people in this country are living in communities that are just ravaged by environmental problems, like, you know, air that gives kids asthma and water that yep. you can't drink and no open space to, you know, take your, to enjoy within your own community. Like that, like I wouldn't trade having all the wilderness in the world for that. Like yep. you have to address environmental justice and environmental health in communities as well as in, you know, the back country. And the amazing thing about NEPA is that it's like this one law that allows us to both, protect, you know, the more remote environment and the environment in our own communities and in our own backyards. And, you know, I repre- representative Grijalva is way more eloquent than me. And so he said it really well, like he, he's, he summed it up. And I mean, you can't address climate change without addressing environmental justice. Like not only are, you know, marginalized communities, more impacted by climate change today than more well-off places. Um, but often, you know, the things that are contributing to climate change, those smokestacks, those, you know, those are located in these marginalized communities. You know, the people that live in those places where not only is, you know, the, the CO2 coming out of the coal-fired power plant smokestack, you know, contributing to this global problem, but it has like immediate effects on the people who live in that community. And NEPA helps us get to both of those problems together. And you can't solve one without the other. You know, I, I work for an environmental group, you know, we often we're talking about backcountry skiing and wolverines and you know whatever. But when it all comes down to it, like the human cost of climate change, of industrial development, like it's unacceptable the way we currently do it. And, you know, we can have economic recovery from COVID in a way that doesn't destroy communities um, and that doesn't put more lives at risk. Um, But it's certainly not the way that is being pushed forward right now. The first step is to get Congress to care. Um, And certain members like Representative Grijalva certainly do care, but we want 
everyone in Congress to care. And so, you know, we've put together a couple easy ways for people to contact their representatives in Congress. You can either text Protect NEPA uh, to 52886, or you can go to winterwildlands.org slash NEPA. And there's, there's a form um, at the bottom of that page that you just enter your information and, you know, follow the instructions and it'll send a letter to your representatives in Congress. And same when you text Protect NEPA to 52886, um, it'll take you to a website that you enter your information and fill out the form and off you go. Because, um, you know, NEPA gives the American public a voice in government decision making. And we also need to use our voice to stand up for NEPA. Um, you know, so our representatives in DC, you know, their job is to do <laughs> what their constituents want. And if they're not hearing from their constituents that something is important, then they're not going to pay attention to it. You know, they, their actions are driven by what they're hearing from the people who sent them there. So you said we can either text protect NEPA to five, two, eight, eight, six, or go to winterwildlands.org slash NEPA. And you said something about like in the next couple of weeks, there should be a decision coming down on this. There, There is not a firm deadline yet on this. Do I have that right? Yeah. I mean, with all government decisions, you never really know when they're going to publish yeah. it, but all signs point to this coming out in the next couple of weeks, the final rule. Um, and that doesn't mean that our opportunity for congressional oversight is done, you know, yeah. because even when CEQ finalizes the rule, you know, Congress can still take actions to put a check on that decision. Um, so yeah, obviously the sooner Congress acts, the better, yeah. the sooner, sooner they start paying attention to this, the better, but it just doesn't mean that once this rule comes out that all hope is lost. Plus, when this rule comes out, then every single agency within the federal government has to go back and revise their NEPA regulations. So like, there's this whole other sub-process that's going to happen because, for instance, another thing about this rule that's different than the current regulations is that currently the CEQ regulations are seen as a floor. Like, No agency can have regulations that do less than what CEQ prescribes. So they can go above and beyond what CEQ prescribes. Under the new regulations, CEQ's regulations are a ceiling and they're really bad and no agency can be better. They can only be worse. Um, so that's really problematic. <laughs> um, and um, it also means that every agency is going to be going and redoing their NEPA regulations and the Forest Service actually is pretty far along in that process. The They kind of put the cart before the horse. Um, the Forest Service started revising their NEPA regulations before CEQ started revising their re NEPA regulations, which means that the Forest Service started revising their NEPA regulations still in compliance with the current CEQ regulations. But when CEQ comes out with their new regulations, the Forest Service is going to have to make sure that whatever they come out with is in compliance with the new CEQ regulations. I don't know what the thought process was there, but it's kind of a jumble. Uh, but at any rate, 
what we've seen coming out of the Forest Service regulations, <laughs> they're really bad as well. They're actually better than what CEQ is proposing, which means they're going to have to like what like make them worse in order to comply with CEQ. Um, but every agency is going to have to go through that process too. So yeah. So point is, um, it would be a good time for all of us uh, to make sure um, Congress is hearing from us and that this is very much on their radar so they can be like, oh, turns out a lot of people care about this. Totally. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. And whether you ski, hike, just like going to the city park, really like clean water, like care about climate change, it doesn't really like... No matter what any of your listeners' interests are, I can guarantee you that the National Environmental Policy Act is an important law for them um, and directly relates to whatever it is that you're listening. Like, obviously, everybody has different interests and different things that they're super passionate about. This law touches all of them. Hmm. Well, Hillary, thank you for taking the time to fill us in on some of this. Um, we know where to go to make ourselves heard. So yeah, I appreciate this and um, keep doing what you do. And uh, you've done a good job of making clear like this is going to be an ongoing process uh, regardless. And so I uh, hopefully our audience is now a bit more informed on what is going on and why we need to stay plugged in. So um, appreciate the time and, and the insight. Yeah, thanks for getting in touch. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Hillary for the conversation. Thanks to Jared Farley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Now, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again next week on the Blister Podcast, or you can catch us tomorrow on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast, or Thursday on our Off the Couch podcast, or on this coming Friday on our Gear 30 podcast. Lots of options, lots of upcoming great conversations. So check those out, and we will catch you back here next week.